Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Co-op Couch, the Arnie's gaming series. I'm Austin Terry, and as always, I'm joined by my player two, the one and only Mr. Matt Johnson. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Happy to be here. It's been a while since we talked about some games, so it's high time we jump back into that. We have a brand new game to talk about, so that's exciting. But other than that, excited for the long weekend coming up, so... Maybe more time to play some games in there that we might be missing out on. But either way, doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing good as well. Happy to be here with you talking some games. And welcome in, everybody. This is Co-op Couch, a monthly sideshow of the Arnie's podcast, where Matt and I sit down to discuss the wonderful world that is video games. On today's show, we'll be discussing a couple of announcements and trailers released at Gamescom earlier this week. And after the break, we'll be discussing the newest time loop thriller, 12 Minutes. But before we get to all that fun stuff, Matt, what have you been playing lately? Well, I've been playing some kind of the normal ones. I know we've talked about before. Of course, you still have your Modern Warfare in there. Still have Outriders, which is fun that we actually get to play some more of that. So that's exciting. But I guess the main one that I have to report on is I finally went back and finished uh, the previous one, but then also the newest DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla. So I went and did Wrath of the Druids, which is the Irish campaign, and then the Siege of Paris, which just came out. So that's kind of my uh, biggest thing to report on. I wish I had better news. It's kind of just more of the same. It doesn't really feel any different from England. The stories aren't very compelling. So fortunately, I don't really have too much positive on that one. Well, let's dive in a little bit more because I haven't had a chance. I fell off the cliff hard on AC Valhalla and, and really haven't come back to it, but I haven't had a chance to check out the DLCs, so kind of which one's been your favorite, and, and let me know your general thoughts overall. Yeah, the story DLCs I wouldn't really recommend unless you're just a diehard fan, and if more of the same sounds fine to you, then sure, I guess I would recommend it, but if you were hoping to do some cool stuff with the Ireland campaign and then the France campaign, of course, really kind of lacking, it's just not super exciting the build-up doesn't feel like it's there. It feels like for the Siege of Paris, it should be a bigger deal, but it doesn't really feel that special. And then by the end, it's like, okay, I guess I can go back to England now. It doesn't really feel like a very good conclusion either. So that was disappointing. Part of me feels like they did that because they announced that they would be doing more DLC in 2022. So maybe they were like, I guess we don't really need to do anything too crazy for this since it's not the last. But the one place I can be positive is a DLC that they added that I wasn't even aware of is called, I think it's called the Mastery Challenge. And there is a little bit of a story that kind of goes along with it. That's kind of cool, actually. But the main purpose of it is it's basically challenge rooms, kind of like in the Batman Arkham series, for example. And it just puts you in. Yeah, it puts you in different locations from around the game with really cool, um, different looking environments. And they give you specific tasks so you can go through and just kill everybody in combat challenges or do the stealthy ones and it's pretty easy but where things get kind of fun is they introduced a metal system so if you want to get the gold then you have to do really specific kills or takedowns and it gets pretty challenging like some of the more challenging things i've done in a game lately so i didn't even know they released that but that was actually a really good use of my time that was a lot of fun yeah, that's funny because it sounds like a blast. And now that I'm thinking about it, it also seems like something that should have been like a staple of the AC franchise with the way like stealth and the combat works. It's kind of weird. They just added it now. Yeah, it is quite strange. <laughs> I didn't even think about it up until I saw that they added it. Um, but yeah, you would have thought that would have been added earlier. But 
maybe now that it's here, maybe we'll get some kind of cool additions to that in the future. Maybe they'll build upon that. So that could be kind of fun. Maybe a co-op mode. Who knows? Um, I'm I'm oh, surprised yeah. Siege of Paris is a bit underwhelming because from my like limited knowledge of Viking history, that's like a pretty big event within just the Viking lore of like the the clans united and and they tried to sack Paris. So I'm I'm really sad to hear that it wasn't a, a big a big showing in the game. Yeah, and maybe I've just missed it. I I don't think I did, but whenever you get to Paris, I was telling Austin, it doesn't really feel like that siege of Paris. Like there's already a Viking clan that's there in France, and they come to England to get Eivor to join. So it's not like you bring your clan or anybody else comes with you. It's just you join the small group that's already in France, and that's who does the siege. So it doesn't feel very grand at all. Well, I'm happy you had a chance to get back into AC Valhalla. Um, I don't really have anything to report in terms of new games. It's been a very slow month for me. It seems like a very slow year for new releases. Luckily, we do have 12 minutes, which we'll be talking about later today on the show. But Matt, Gamescom was earlier this week. We got some new trailers, a few game announcements. Should we dive into some of that? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the biggest thing I saw that came out and is a little bit controversial on Twitter, but Saints Row is getting a reboot. Um, It's going to be releasing in February 2022 and takes place in a Las Vegas-type southwest town called Santo Ileso. Yeah, that's right. I think, um, I guess we can talk more about the controversy in a little bit, but I guess the thing that maybe people are kind of iffy on is it's a full-on reboot to some of the fun characters won't be coming back and kind of the big over-the-top gameplay and kind of the city design might not be coming back. So I guess people were kind of disappointed in that. But for me, looking at this trailer and kind of seeing that Saints Row flair that we all know and love embedded in this kind of different type of city landscape than we would normally get in a lot of games, it looked pretty fun. So this one comes out pretty soon. And I got to say, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Saints Row 3. I know you are as well. The ones after that, I think, went too far with the -the over-the-topness. So honestly, when I saw this trailer, I kind of rolled my eyes and was like, oh, another Saints Row game. But but then when I actually started watching it, I was like, wow, this this looks fun. Uh, The graphics look pretty impressive. The weapons look really cool. The new characters, one of them like wants to be a chef or something, which is kind of unique. So it looks like they're still going to bring that kind of fun, um, witty humor that Saints Row is known for. But it looks like they're kind of going back to the the more grounded type story as, as much as they can. Yeah, I think that'll be cool. And I'm sure we'll be able to play it together, too. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, what are your thoughts on a kind of a Southwest town? Yeah, it's kind of what I meant at the top. It sounds different than a lot of what we get with games. You know, we get, even in the Saints Row franchise, you know, we've gotten L.A. and New York-style cities. And, of course, we see tons of those in other games like GTA and open-world games in general. So doing something in not only the Southwest, but more of a Vegas-style town sounds like something that we haven't gotten a lot of and something that I'd like to play around in. So I think it'll be good. So what do you think? I mean, I mentioned it, but you and I love Saints Row 3. What are you thinking for a reboot? Do you think it's a good move for the franchise, or should they kind of stick with what works and go back to the over-the-topness? No, I think it's the right move. I think I, I had a blast with Saints Row 4, but I don't think it's a great game by any means. I just had a lot of fun with the gameplay. But I think most people like you are kind of like, yeah, I think this is a few steps too far. And not only doing a reboot, but doing one that kind of goes back to the core gameplay of the first couple Saints Row games with some of that kind of fun quirkiness of something like Saints Row 3, 
I think, seems like a good pairing. So it's one that I'm definitely looking forward to. I'm excited, too. I think it's going to be really fun. Um, I do have one request, though. Please, even if there's a reboot, I still need some testicle punches in the game. Oh, yeah. That's got to be there. I'm sure that'll be back. (laughs) So another game, we got one that's been in development for a long time, also part of a very established franchise. And I wanted to kind of test the waters and see what you were thinking on this, because you and I have tried, I want to say, two times with two different entries to get into the Halo franchise. We didn't grow up with Xbox. We didn't grow up with Halo. So by the time stuff like Reach and even 4 came out, that's kind of where we tried to jump in initially. And I know both of our thoughts were kind of like, yeah, you know, there's a lot of good stuff in it, but I think maybe kind of that wave, you know, that hype wave just passed us by since we never grew up with it and started with it. But I got to say, there's something about Infinite, like kind of switching up the gameplay to have a bit more of an open world while still telling this kind of cinematic story and then combining that with the Halo multiplayer, which I've always liked in the past, but never loved. And then kind of throwing in some stuff here that looks like it might be extra fun. I don't know. And since it is Game Pass, it's kind of like no reason not to try it. My only question to you is, do you think Halo Infinite is even worth trying or have you completely just you're done? You're not even like concerned with the Halo franchise at all. Well, I think the key thing that you said there is Game Pass because you can get it, you know, day one on Xbox for no extra charge. So Mm -hmm. I'll definitely be checking it out. The trailers haven't wowed me. Um, The visuals, I think, have been really impressive in the trailers. And I know the early buzz on the multiplayer has been pretty positive, um, overwhelmingly. I just am not a big like multiplayer shooter guy. Like I, I love the yeah. the battle royales and all that stuff, but I, the Call of Duty multiplayer, like the traditional and, and the Halo multiplayer, has never hooked me. And that is like the big selling point for this franchise. So for me, I need there to be a strong story. And the past few additions to this franchise have really not delivered on that. Yeah, that's definitely true. That's where they always lost me. So you know, I think I might give this one a try as well, just to see because. It hasn't been like that long since, I guess, Halo 5, but it still does feel like they're selling this one as a reboot of sorts. I mean, it's not called Halo 6 Infinite. They kind of are just rebranding a little bit. So if they're kind of rebuilding from scratch, I'll at least see how it goes. I think the last time you and I had the most fun with this franchise was doing the co-op story in Halo Reach. Yeah, I don't know if there will be at launch, but I know that they will have that in the future. Um, But yeah, doing co-op or just... Being able to do like the forge mode, I don't know how big of a part that'll play in something like this. And just trying out other people's maps was always a source of enjoyment. So, you know, I think there'll be stuff that we could get into. It's just that story has to be at least there to kind of keep us on board for a little bit in the uh, initial days. Well, we do have another tentpole shooter that got some more release date news, and that is Call of Duty Vanguard. I think this is like number 18 in the franchise or something like that. Some crazy number. But yes, Call of Duty Vanguard did get a release date and and it showed off a trailer for a new Stalingrad themed level. Uh, The game itself is coming out on November 5th. It takes place in kind of the the winding down days of World War II. um, And and the single player campaign is supposed to tell the origin of special forces and take place in, in four theaters of World War II, the Pacific, France, Russia, and North Africa. Hmm. This is a tough one for me. I I like Call of Duty, and it's kind of the thing you talked about a minute ago. It's we don't come to these franchises for just the multiplayer. You know, the story needs to be fun. The other modes need to be great. It's why Modern Warfare really worked for me because I loved the story. I loved how it was kind of a reboot, but also seemed to be in the universe of the past a little bit. 
Um, the multiplayer was fantastic. Of course, the introduction of Warzone was super cool. So that game was a, a big hit for me. And then Cold War, last year, I want to say it was. I don't even remember. The story was a botch, really bad. Multiplayer, not super fun. The other modes didn't really work for me. So Call of Duty really is so hit or miss for me with entries. And this one looks good. I'm a bit trepidatious. My only issue with it, and we talked about it a little bit, is just it's not this game's fault. It's just not only with the Call of Duty games, but so many other games, we've done the World War II setting. So I'm a little burnt out. I do like the idea of this one doing four different fronts. So there is going to be some variety with the settings and the characters. So that could be really cool. It's just whenever I hear World War II with these types of shooters, I'm immediately kind of turned off. So they need to win me over a bit more than something else would because we've gotten so many of them in the past. Yeah, it's funny. Whenever I saw this announcement that Vanguard was going to be World War II, my first thought was like, like that soon? Because we just got another yeah. World War II one for Call of Duty ago. like really recently, and, and it, it was pretty good and really fun. Um, yeah. I will say, though, this one, while it is a brand new game, it feels slightly like a reboot and like a throwback to like the days of like Call of Duty Big Red 1, especially with like the multiple theaters and like the North Africa setting and and the the four different playable characters like it feels like they are in a way going back to their roots um the elements they've revealed are pretty exciting to me so you can play as four different characters um an infantryman in africa a paratrooper in france a fighter pilot in the pacific and a sniper in russia so four very different theaters of war for the single player campaign um that seem like it's going to be fun the lighting looked incredible uh the gameplay you know was your typical Call of Duty mechanics. Um, there is a new mechanic called Blind Fire, which looks like it's going to be a, a bit of a game changer in multiplayer. Um, and then also Vanguard is going to tie in to Warzone, of course. And and at launch, there's going to be a new Warzone map to play too. Yeah, so that's exciting too. That I mean, that's just the cool thing about Warzone in general, which is it can kind of utilize the settings, the characters, and the guns, and just weapons in general from the newer games. We already saw that happen last year when they introduced Cold War. And that actually not only was a standalone, but of course influenced Warzone in some really great ways. Uh, gave us the Rebirth map that I know Yumi and Keith particularly enjoy. Um, yeah, so the idea of getting new maps in addition to a brand new game, getting a new Warzone experience is also a huge highlight. Yeah, and there's also going to be another new multiplayer mode, which kind of blends Battle Royale and traditional multiplayer together. Um, it's called Champions Hill, and you can play in teams of two versus two or three versus three and each lobby can hold up to eight teams. Every team has a total of 12 lives, and each map has an extra life in the middle. And in this mode, you will cycle through four different maps until there's a last team standing and all the other teams have run out of lives. Oh, that sounds cool. Okay. I like that. That sounds interesting. Obviously, 2v2 or 3v3 would be great for us to try out together, so that'd be something I'd be excited to try and kind of report on later. And the last thing I saw that is new for the development process of Call of Duty is, is of course, the development of Call of Duty is shared across multiple studios. This one is being developed by Sledgehammer, I think. Um, but Treyarch is actually developing a zombies mode for this game. So it's the first time they've done two studios working on the same game at the same time. That'll be cool. I've Yeah, I really love zombies when it first started out, but it quickly kind of got a little bit old for me. So getting back into that, I think, is something I'd like to do. Uh, it was always fun. And yeah, and also it's not really this game's uh, praise for it necessarily, but the idea that we got uh, Cold War last year, now we're getting this one. I'm pretty sure that means Modern Warfare 2 comes next year. So already getting excited for that. Can't wait. I was surprised that we got 
a new one this year. It really seemed like this was going to be the year they took one off. But nope, November yeah. 5th, new Call of Duty. Yeah. Go get it. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, so another one I just wanted to mention real quick. I don't have a ton of information on it. They didn't really give us too much, but that's okay. It is Marvel's Midnight Suns. We've gotten the new Spider-Man game, the new Avengers game. So here's a new studio tackling this one. It's from the guys that made the XCOM game. So this is another tactical RPG We don't really fully know what that means in the context of this game yet. All they've really said is there's going to be some things that carry over from the XCOM games and some things that are completely different. But look, I'm a simple guy. I see Marvel, I get excited. And the Midnight Suns, that group of characters in particular, super cool. Kind of getting into the more darker and mystical side of the Marvel Universe is super cool. Getting Doctor Strange, Ghost Rider, uh, Nico Minoru. We're getting different versions of Iron Man, Captain Marvel, Captain America as well that fit into that. Getting Blade. So just seeing these characters working together to face off against a mystical threat is something I'm super excited to do. We don't really know too much about the gameplay, but... I think either way, I'm going to want to at least give it a try, even if it's something that I'm not super familiar with, like XCOM. Yeah, you know, I saw that that announcement and, and read through it a little bit, and my only thought was, this is a game for Matt, because I'm familiar with Marvel, but I don't know who the Midnight Suns are, but I had a feeling you would. And it's also fun because of the whole, like, thing for years with Fox, Disney, and the MCU. Like, we couldn't get, like, Fantastic Four, couldn't get X-Men. So it's always fun just to see a video game where that doesn't really apply as much and just see Wolverine effing around with like Iron Man and that group is something we don't get a lot. So it's also just kind of a fun thing too. Um, Another trailer I saw that I think they wanted it to look fun, but really just looked confusing and and wild and out there. It's it's definitely the wildest trailer I think at Gamescom this year, but that is Doki 5. Did you see this trailer? I did. And I had no idea what was happening. (laughs) Yeah, neither did I. It's like a mix of Pokemon, K-pop, The Sims, like Look, it kind of looked like some of the Wii City games too, where you can like go like surfing and snowboarding and like all that. Like you play as a kid, it looks like in the trailer, and there's mechs for some reason, and then you're also collecting these like, I think they call them Doki animals. I I don't know. It's Pokemon and K-pop is really what it seems like. Yeah, it just the thing that struck me is it looks like so many things in one. So I mean, if they nail it, that could be cool. The fact that. You know, a whole bunch of different people could find something to love in this world. That's obviously a cool idea. But I don't know. After watching that trailer and seeing the insanity, I'm kind of leaning more towards, you know, jack of all trades, but master of none. (laughs) So we'll see. It's a lot to offer. I'm not sure if they'll be able to nail it. So and and I still don't even know what it was. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know. It's funny. I don't even think the studio knows what it is either because the developer called it an MMO like five days ago. And then recently the studio came out and said, no, 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 this isn't an MMO. And they've since removed any references to MMO on their website or like any of the promotional material. Oh, good. (laughs) That's a good sign. (laughs) Oh, God. So there you have it. There's a bunch of games they announced at Gamescom. Tons to look forward to in the future. But right now, of course, it is time to talk about something that we already have our hands on. Uh, Before we get into that, let us know on Instagram, at the Arnie's, which of these news stories were your favorites of the month and what you wish we had included. But let's get into the main topic of this month's show, one of the most anticipated games of the year from Annapurna Interactive and Xbox. It's 12 Minutes. Okay, Matt, why don't you tell me a little bit about it? What is 12 Minutes? 
Yeah, so to put it pretty simply, um, 12 Minutes is a time loop-based game. You play the husband who comes home from work one day, uh, is interacting with his wife when he gets home, and a few minutes into their initial conversation where she's excited to give some news, we get a knock on the door, and it's our old pal Willem Dafoe playing a cop, and he inevitably kind of puts you both on the ground and ends up strangling you, and you don't know why, but then you wake up at the beginning of the 12-minute loop once again, and it's your job as the husband to figure out why is this cop saying that my wife murdered somebody? Why is he trying to kill me? So you got to figure out what to do, and that's kind of all they really leave you with in that beginning. There's a lot more you got to figure out on your own. It kind of doesn't really hold your hand too much. So that's 12 minutes. How are you going to solve this puzzle, and how will we get out alive? Also important to note, just for anybody that hasn't played it or really heard of this game, um, it's like a top-down point-and-click game, so there's not a whole lot of mechanics. It's really more a narrative-driven adventure. Yeah, like literally I was looking through one of the option screens, and I saw you could look at the controls, and I was like, why do they even offer that? So I clicked on it, and it was literally just a picture of the A button. <laughs> it just said like... <laughs> You know, you just use that for everything. Use it to move, use it to access stuff, use it for your menus. <laughs> I was like, okay. So we've got some big names in the cast here. Uh, like you said, James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, Willem Dafoe. What do you think about their performances and, and how was it playing a game with these caliber of actors involved? Um, I mean, it's cool. I mean, it, it's always a cool thing to see video games kind of get more... Um, I wouldn't even really say talent because, I mean, there's so many great voice actors out there. But I, I do think every now and again, seeing something like this does give a bit more, like, credence to the artistry in a way. I think it kind of legitimizes games. So that's always cool to see. As for the performance themselves, I think maybe with the exception of Willem Dafoe, the husband and wife could have been played by any voice actor or actress. I don't mean that as any disrespect to them. It's just you have both of them doing American accents, so you very rarely are able to even tell that it's James McAvoy or Daisy Ridley, which I guess is good. Um, as for the way they use the actors, I thought for the most part it was good. My only major thing that I didn't love is the way dialogue works in this game is you're hearing a lot of the same stuff over and over again, but sometimes you do have the option to ask new questions and just with the way they do that, it kind of leads to some unintentionally funny moments at times where it's like you might be asking your wife a very serious question and then you'll get like a you'll get an answer that kind of fits that tone or you'll maybe say something that like really upsets her and she'll get angry. But then like the next question will just be like, all right, let's sit down for dessert. <laughs> it's like, yeah, <laughs> because of the way the dialogue works and it, it kind of makes the performances seem worse because of that. When in reality, it's not their fault. Uh, it's more of the writing. So. I think the performances are good in short, but the writing doesn't always give them the best to do. And then, of course, you have Willem Dafoe, who sounds like Willem Dafoe, and he's always great. So, yeah, he was good. Yeah, I think Willem Dafoe is a standout. He's pretty terrifying, too, in the opening moments of the game. Like, oh, yeah. I was I was very nervous every time Willem Dafoe showed up at my door. Um, I was pretty blown away with Daisy Ridley's American accent. Like, yeah. I couldn't pick up any hint of, of Britishness in there at all. Yeah, uh, James McAvoy, if I didn't know that it was James McAvoy or Daisy Ridley, I think the only thing I would have said as the credits rolled would have been the guy that played the husband must not be American because occasionally he slipped into some weird words. But with Daisy Ridley, I would have said, yeah, I guess it's some American actress. I don't know. I had no idea it was her. So this is, in a weird way, a puzzle game as well. You do have to figure out how to advance the story um, on your own, and there's not really any hand-holding. You're just kind of thrown into it. Um, you do get kind of this little rush, or at least I did every time you solve a puzzle and, and get a new piece of the story kind of unfurled in front of you. 
what was kind of your first like aha moment of the game as you were playing through? And then did you have any like favorite mechanisms to answer some of the game's questions? Hmm. First aha moment. That's a good one. I'll let you go first with that as I think on that. But the one thing I can say, the one thing that I thought was implemented super well that kind I guess it was kind of an aha moment, but not really. Whenever I walked into the closet, one of the first loops and I found the phone, I was like, okay, how does the phone play into this? And then, of course, after a little bit, I was like, I guess I'll call 911 and see what happens. And then, of course, you can do that and talk to the emergency services, but they won't be there in time is the point. So it's like, okay, well, if I can use the phone and now I've dialed 911, it just gives me like a speed dial for 911. So I was like, okay, if it's giving me speed dial options, then there must be other phone numbers I can get. So that was kind of the first time, I guess I wouldn't call it an aha moment, but it was the first time where I was like, I had a specific goal in mind. I was going to go through a couple loops with my primary focus being trying to go through dialogue or trying to find phone numbers, trying to ask questions that could maybe give me somebody new to call. And then eventually, whenever I was able to subdue the cop and was like, oh, they have a phone. Okay, I'll go through their messages and call those people because I know then it will save it on my phone and then I can actually play around with it. So that was the first time where I got really excited about like, my goal is strictly getting numbers to see how that might influence the gameplay. Well, you connected those dots way better than I did. I found the phone pretty early on, and once I called 911, I just thought it was like a red herring to enforce the 12 minutes time frame. So I just like totally forgot about the phone. So when you get to the point where you um, have to find the cop's phone, like I added to my inventory and then didn't even think to try it after like five loops. I was like, I cannot get this thing to advance. It took me forever to go to think about the phone again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you asked the question, I couldn't really think of a good answer, but did you have what you would call your first aha moment where things kind of went from a bit of a standard time loop to where you kind of felt like you were in a bit more control and knew what to do? Yeah, I think the the biggest one early on for me was actually being able to convince your wife that you are in a time loop. I didn't Mm. think that game was going to have this element in there. I thought it was just going to be nobody ever believes you and you're kind of on your own. But whenever you're going through the dialogue and you're like, I'm in a time loop, let me convince you. When I realized you could show her the present to try and convince her, but that still didn't work, I was knacking my brain like crazy. And then when I fondly thought to predict the lightning and the game actually advanced and and she became convinced that I was in the time loop, that was like the first moment where I was like, oh, okay, there's like a lot of really different things you can do in this game. And it became really fun and kind of sucked me in right there. Yeah, I think that was probably similar to mine. Whenever I could actually broach that topic that I'm in a time loop and then go, well, how would I actually know that? It did, like, I did remember asking myself that directly. I was like, I know I'm in a time loop, but how do I actually convince her? Like, now that she's like, okay, go get me proof. I was like, well, what do I actually use? And I did have a moment where I was just like walking around trying to think of how to prove it. And it was kind of cool because it's kind of like what it would probably be in real life if you found yourself in that situation. It's like, well, I know I'm in a loop and I have to convince you. But what can I use that's actually available to do that? And then the one that I did initially was, because initially you have to show two things. So I did the weather, like, oh, it's about to storm, and then use the the gift, the baby clothes. So I was like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, it actually forces you to prove something, which isn't something you do a lot in games. So I was curious to see if we felt any of the puzzles were poorly designed, because obviously there is a ton, ton of things you can actually interact with in the apartment, there's a bunch of different ways you can combine objects, so it kind of almost seems to double your options at times. So 
there's a lot of different puzzles with not a lot of solutions. So I wanted to see, did you like that? Or did anything that you have to do feel like it was not well made? Or did you think that everything was presented pretty well? I thought the presentation of everything was really great. The thing that I got a little frustrated with was there was multiple instances where I didn't hit the exact like point in a conversation to unlock the next chapter, but I already knew the answers. Like early on in the game, I came in. It's it's partially my fault because of the way I chose to play it early on, but like I already knew there was a twist to this game, so I was trying to get ahead of it. And so like first thing I did was pick up the knife and undo all the vents. And so I found the watch like really early on, but because I hadn't gotten that far in the actual conversations, I couldn't advance the story. Like I had to still sit through everything, even though I already knew some of those answers. Yeah, I had a big moment like that um, towards the end of the game. Whenever there was this topic of who, once you kind of get the cop onto your side and convince him of uh, both of your innocence, it was like, well, who's the nanny? And then going through several loops, it's like, okay, there was a nanny, there was a son born of infidelity with the father that died, and then it's like, what was the name? And it took like three more loops after that to actually figure it out, and I was like, it's Dahlia. <laughs> it's it's the baby gift. <laughs> and I was literally like dragging the, the baby gift like on the cop in a way to like, I'm trying to ask you if this is right. But I guess kind of the same thing that you were saying is like, it wasn't time to do that yet. So I had to wait a few more loops. And that's the only thing that I thought was poorly designed in the game too, because it forces you to question yourself in a way that I don't think is intentional. Like whenever I know the answer, like Dahlia, I'm trying to drag the item onto the cop to, you know, make some new dialogue. But since it's not time, it makes me go as the player. I guess that was wrong. So in the next loop, I just won't do that. So there was a few times when I was playing this game where I was like, well, I guess I did that thing wrong. So I guess I'll do something else. When in reality, I just had to try it again at a different time. Same thing at the end when it was like, how do I end this game? Like, how do I roll credits on this? And I was just trying new things, trying new endings, and nothing worked until I just went back to talk to the father again using the watch and just picked a different dialogue option. And I was like, oh, that was all I had to do. I just spent like a couple hours like trying to do something else in the apartment when in reality, I just had to do a different you know dialogue thing. So there was a couple instances where, kind of like you said, I just felt like it was forcing me to question myself, but I don't think that was the point of the game. Yeah, and there were some moments too where I wanted to do something that I knew was possible. Like I'd already interrogated the cop and shown him the photo that proves your wife's innocent yeah. um, with him tied up and, and the wife knocked out. And so after I'd convinced the wife of everything and, and we were both waiting to talk to him, like the cop came in and I was, before he could even do anything, I was trying to give him the photo to just like kind of get ahead of stuff. And it still made me go through all the dialogue again, have her convince him that she's innocent. And so it's just like little things like that, where it's like, we're going to arrive at the same point regardless. So I, I wish there was an option for like my, I guess, cleverness to kind of like be a bigger, bigger part of this game. If I've already figured out a way to kind of get through some of this. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about presentation a little bit. That's kind of also where it comes into play for me a bit more of the negative side, which is towards the end of the game. I don't know about you. It might be worth talking about, but there comes a time late in the game where it's just kind of towards like the nanny conversation, the sun, the monster, all that stuff. You don't do all that in one loop. So you're basically talking to your wife up to a point. 
and then the cop comes in and then you show like the photo, for example, like you said, like you'll show a new item and then that will lead to a new dialogue option. Then the loop starts again and you mention that new dialogue option to your wife and that opens up a new thing. But then you have to wait for the cop to get there and then say that new thing to him. So towards the end, like there was just like a few loops where it felt like it could have all been condensed into one loop, like one conversation. I totally agree. Yeah. You had to wait for the cops to come in. Do that. Next loop. Talk to the wife about that. Next loop. Talk to the cop about that. Next loop. Talk to the wife about that until you can show the baby clothes. And that that was the only time in the game where I was like, whew, like, I'm not even stumped here. This is just, I'm just annoyed. <laughs> like, yeah. And, and up until that point, like, this game really sucked me in. Like, I played yeah. through it all, beat it all in one sitting. And up until that, like, final kind of closing out points, I was super engrossed. But then as soon as, like you're saying, you have to go through multiple loops just to get through new dialogue, that's when it was, like, really feeling, like, almost like chores. And it didn't become fun anymore. And so I I think the way the game wraps up really takes away from a stellar um, presentation over, like, these five to six hours. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I I mean, we've kind of been jumping all over the place, but I definitely did want to bring it up because I think we both agree that it sucks you in right away in the beginning. But I was not expecting kind of, for lack of a better term, I guess, uh, M. Night Shyamalan-esque twist in this game. Like I thought the whole the, the loop was the main thing and just find a way to stop it. But then when they introduced the whole like, you are the child of the nanny, meaning you are your wife's half-sister and then you're also theoretically the one that killed her father. So the the cop is there to arrest her for the murder, but it was you and you're a sibling. It felt like a lot at once, and I wasn't expecting it in this game. Kind of that weird uh, type of twist. Did that work for you? Did that kind of break the immersion a little bit for you? Or how'd you feel about all that? I feel like there's almost like three twists in this game. There's like the yeah. first twist where the wife reveals, yes, I did kill my father. Then there's the next twist, which is why Willem Dafoe is involved and what his motivations are. And then the yeah. third twist is you um, finding out that you're the brother and and you and your wife are, are siblings. And that third twist did not work for me. I was really into the first two twists. I was like, oh, this is cool. They found a way to humanize Willem Dafoe's character. The first twist I thought was interesting because it's like, this is my wife. I'm doing all this to prove her innocence. And so I was like really bought into these motivations. And then as soon as it did that third twist where it's like, oh no, we're siblings. How do we get out of this? Like that's when I was kind of realizing like, oh, we're not headed for a happy ending really at all in this game. Like there's no way for this game to end with you feeling good based on that third twist of you being siblings. And I was really bought into the first two twists and and into the motivations and and really down with like, I'm going to get my wife out of the situation and prove her innocence. And then that third twist just really kind of took away from what I thought the first like two thirds of the story were really great. Yeah, it's it's honestly a bit comical. I mean, the way you just said it was with a straight face is I think how the developers want you to, but it just it's it doesn't really pass the smell test. I mean, the way you just said it right there is the first twist is, "Oh, I'm trying to prove my wife's innocence, but it's actually I'm not supposed to. She did it." It's like that's pretty cool. Second twist like you said is the actual reveal of why the cop is involved. Turns out he was like the protege of the father. It's like, oh, it's actually kind of interesting. And then Willem Dafoe's performance gets even better. I'm sure you would agree at that part. Like whenever he stops being kind of like the you know, like really uh, scary guy and like he's a bit more kind of down to earth and doesn't really want to do what he's doing. It's like, wow, it's a really great performance. Great twist. And then the third twist is that you and your wife are siblings. It's just that does not fit into the other two things yeah. we just said. <laughs> like, it's just weird, a step too far. And the game could have justified it by the end a little bit like in the closing moments, but I don't think they really did. So 
I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. That that one twist did not work for me either. And I, I really thought there was going to be a way. I knew going into this game that there were multiple endings. And so I figured like, okay, there's probably an ending that's really dark. There's probably a happy ending. And so the whole game I was playing for like, I want to get the happy ending. And then with that twist, it's like, oh, there's no way for this to end happily. Like, I'm not going to feel good. Like, I don't, I felt really gross playing this game as soon as I get, I got that twist. And it just really kind of took me out of it. Yeah, the only saving grace is that you, the player, don't know that information. Um, so thank God for that, or else it would have been really bad. But you are right, because then once you know, I mean, there are certain things you can do that kind of like, I don't want to be doing this. Like, it's forcing you to, like, still try and reconcile the situation, which is obviously a hard thing to do. Um, I like the whole kind of the way the hypnosis plays a part in. It's like, well, do I want to forget this and just keep doing what I'm doing? So I agree with you. It, it feels like there should be an ending where things feel, like, good, but it's a good way you put it there. It's just, like, you kind of credits roll in this game and you kind of just feel a little gross. And I don't know. Like, I, I didn't feel that way at the beginning of the game, so I don't know why they would do such a dark twist like that. Like, I don't know what the purpose was for the the concept of the story. Like, I don't know what that really added. It just made me feel kind of not good. Yeah, it's weird. I, I kind of like the way you put that, because in the first half of the game, even though there is dark stuff happening, it's still weirdly a pleasant experience. Like, you're dropped in to this nice romantic evening with this couple. They just found out they're pregnant. Like, they're excited about all that fun stuff. And so... There are these like really pleasant undertones. You can dance with your wife if you want and like put on music and have dinner. And so like it stays really pleasant until you really find out that you're siblings. And so the whole time I felt like in the first half of the game, I was basically fighting to maintain like the happiness that it seems like this couple has. And then that the final twist was just kind of like, well, there's no way to get back to that. So like I don't understand why I would even want to really get to the end of this game. And even if, like, somebody's playing it and they don't think it's a pleasant experience, like you put it, I do think both the husband and wife are very easy characters to root for for the entire first half. Because once you find out that she didn't do it, uh, that someone else did it, that's when the game was the most compelling for me. Because then even the cop is on your side. And it's like, oh, wow, now I'm rooting for all these guys. At one point early on, the cop's like, all right, I'm so sorry this happened. Like, I shouldn't have done this. I'm going to go find this person. Like, don't you worry. I'm going to make this right. It's like, I can root for everybody. This is awesome. Um, And that's awesome in a video game whenever you have agency over those actions. Like, you're not only rooting for yourself, the player, but for the character. And then you're right. It just kind of falls apart in the end, unfortunately, at least in that regard. Yeah, so I think we are going to get into the, the various endings here in a second. But I, I did kind of want to take a step back and just go through some of, like, I guess we'll just call them like key mechanics, but basically the tools you can use to un to unfurl the story. So there's like sleeping pills. There's a knife that you can open events with. There's a phone, like you said. Um, there's a light socket that you can use as a as a trap to kind of knock out the cop. How did mm -hmm. you feel about all these little puzzle elements? And and what were some of your favorite moments with these various tools? Hmm. The one that took me way too long for whatever reason was. The sleeping pills. And that was another thing that we talked about was I know what to do with this. Like I tried to put it in the food and it was like, no, I have to dilute it. I was like, okay, I'll put it in the water. And I did that. And I was like, I can't get her to drink it. And then I, it, it never occurred to me just to drag like the cup full of sleeping pills, like onto her so that she would just, I, I could offer it. It just didn't really hit me for whatever reason. Oh, I didn't even have to do that. 
Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, because for me, it took me a really long time. It took me a few loops to figure that out. Um, and eventually I was able to get her to take it after I offered it to her. Then she would go to bed and I had to get a little bit of help uh, figuring out how the, the light switch because I was like flipping it on once and everybody was commenting on it. And I was like, okay, great. But then once I was like, okay, I got to do it twice and that somebody gets knocked out. I was like, perfect. And that first time I was in the closet watching the cop come in, he sees her laying on the bed sleeping and then he goes and flips the switch and passes out. I was like, got it. So that's what it did for me. But I mean, it sounds like you did that differently, which and that, that's a big turning point in the game. That moment, whenever you kind of are in charge and you're in control over the cop for one. So how did you kind of reconcile that and make that happen? Yeah, you know, thinking about it now, the way you did it by physically giving her the cup probably would have saved me a ton of time in the intro, because the way I did it every time, I, I never did it differently as I came into the apartment, started the conversation, uh, told her, like, let's have dessert. And then I would take the cup. Uh, go into the bathroom, close the door, lock it, fill it with water, sleeping pills. And then I would put it on her placemat at the dinner table. And then we'd go through the conversation while we're eating dessert. And she would drink her glass of water while she's eating dessert. And then she'd say, oh, I don't feel good. And she'd go to sleep. So I I would sit through that whole intro every time I went through this loop. But if I think if I'd just given it to her, probably would have worked out better. So that reminded me of something else that's pretty cool. Um, and I tried that a few times. Like I just like put the sleeping pills in it, put it at her place, but she would never drink it. She would eat the dessert, but she wouldn't take a sip. And I was like, why is that happening? I guess I should just watch her during a loop to see what happens. And for whatever reason in mine, I finally picked up on it that she had her own cup next to her while she was reading and she would like go fill it up and take a drink from it. And I was like, huh, maybe she's just not thirsty in the loop where I'm trying that because she just took a drink. So what if, and then I walk in on the loop, I picked up both of the glasses. So they're both in my inventory. Yeah, that was my first step every time. Yeah. And then I walked in, filled it up, and then she comments, where are the glasses? So then whenever I uh, offered it to her, she drank it because she was like, oh, I needed water. I'm really thirsty. But it sounds like because you picked up both of them, then she was thirsty so that she would just drink at the table. So yeah, that's another thing that took me a while to figure out. Like she was drinking on her own. So if I take both of the glasses, then she can't drink in the loop and then I can just give it to her. So. It's funny, too, because it's a little thing, but if you have both the glasses while she's setting the table and you don't put them out, then she just kind of comes up to you and says, hey, can I get some help setting the table? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, she'll compliment you or like or thank you if you do help her. So, yeah, pretty cool. Some good details, obviously, in a game that is this small scale. It's nice to see the attention to detail there. Were you ever concerned about making too much noise in your apartment? Like, I always made sure I had the radio turned on and the front door closed and locked. I think at one point I was also convinced that the neighbors would play a role because like in the literal beginning of the game, whenever you walk by, I oh, I tried to open the other two doors and like made some noise, like a baby started crying and it was like, oh, sorry, neighbors. So I was like, maybe there's a way to like contact the neighbors for help or something. So I wasn't really concerned about making noise, but of course that never ended up playing into it at all. Did you ever try to fight the cop with the knife? Yeah. And that was, that was another cool thing with the details is if you just do it head on, it's a pretty quick down. But then I tried it from behind once whenever he was kind of occupied trying to uh, get the wife on the ground. I did it from behind. I actually did stab him in the back, but then he's able to kind of react and like uh, take you out anyway. So it wasn't until I had him on the ground after the light switch that I was able to actually <laughs> like attack him. You can have some pretty brutal fights, too, with him. Like there was one time when I waited in the bathroom for him to come get me and I like ambushed him from the shower and I literally got the knife in his stomach. And as he was bleeding out, he pulled out his gun and shot me. So, like, there's a lot of very different ways that fight can play out. 
Yeah, I didn't mess around with that too much. I was basically in the closet or just happy that he was there because I could try something new. I'm not going to lie. I spent a lot of time trying to kill Willem Dafoe in this game. <laughs> I did too because I was convinced. It was like, there must be a way to kill him. And if I kill him, then I'll finally be able to maybe talk with the wife about something else. Like I'll have a different dialogue option. So I spent a while trying to figure out a way to get him out of commission too. And it never worked until he was on the ground and I shot him in the leg to try and like force him to cooperate. And then once he gave me some information, he bled out. <laughs> so. uh, okay. So let's go back now and let's get in to the endings of the game. I think there's a total of six. Um, I got three of them on my first playthrough before I actually rolled credits. What was the very first ending you got on the very first time around? And then how do you feel about some of the, the various different ones? I think the first technical ending I got was the alone ending. So the alone ending is basically you've already had a scene where the father and you were having a conversation. It's where you kill him. And at that point in the game, like you're led to believe, oh, this is a flashback to when that actually happened. And then later you go back to a similar type of room. But now the person in front of you is still Willem Dafoe's voice, but he looks like the cop now. So it's like, okay, what's going on here? But he's still talking to you like he's, uh, he's your father. So at one point he gives you an offer. He's like, look, I know you didn't know. I know the situation's terrible. It's so messed up. But I just don't think you can be with uh, your wife anymore, who's your half-sister. You just can't do that. So what are you going to do? And I think at one point I was like, I guess I'll, like, I'll try and figure it out. And so then I went back into the loop two different times. And on one of the loops, I just came clean to the wife about everything. I told her everything um, and about the sibling thing. And then she was, of course, disgusted naturally. And I, I tried to take the blame for it, even though I was like, look, I didn't know, but I'm so sorry. We'll figure it out. Um, and she just she leaves. She's like, I can't do this. And then she leaves. Um, and I was like, OK, that didn't work. And that's the confess ending. So that was the first one I got was if you come clean to everything, um, eventually Willem Dafoe will show up and you'll come clean to him and he'll decide to let you live. But he says like, I found you once, I'll find you again. Um, oh, okay, and then they yeah. both leave. And then, okay, so that's yeah. the confess ending. That was the first one I got. So that's the first one I got then too. Yeah. So I got that. And like, yeah, on the second loop is when I came clean to that as well. And then even told her like the opposite. I was like, I'm sorry, this was an accident. And then he comes in and confessed. Yeah. So I got that. And so then eventually I was like, okay, nothing I'm doing is working. So I guess I need to go back to that father conversation and try and figure out something new. So then when he gave me the option, what are you going to do with this information? And I said, I'll leave her and don't worry about it. It's over. And then at that point, the father actually apologizes to you for like putting you in this position. And he hugs you and like you both like cry or whatever. And then the credit started rolling and I was like, wow, that's disappointing. Um, and then the game just starts again. And I was like, ah, this sucks. But then I was like, oh, that's interesting. And then I walked out of the elevator. I noticed that there was no doors on the side like they were in the beginning. I was like, huh. So then I walked over to open the apartment door and it's completely empty. It's the exact same floor plan of the like main apartment in the game, but there's no furniture. There's nothing. Uh, and I walked around for a little bit. This is, this is the alone ending. This is an ending where you left your wife, left the baby upon hearing this information, living alone. And then after kind of messing around in the apartment, the only thing you can do is open the vent again, interact with the watch, and go back to do that conversation again. So did you ever encounter that one? Was that ever an option for you? I never got that alone one, but that sounds horribly depressing, seeing the empty apartment yeah. and everything. So I'm kind of glad I didn't get that one. And that one does roll credits like that one is it feels a bit more final in a way because it's like, I guess this is an actual option. So but I didn't know what to do at that point in the game. Like after I did the confess ending, I was like, I guess I just have to go back and pick the other option to leave her. Like, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. 
So um, what did you do? If you didn't get that ending, what was your kind of next step after confessing? Yeah, I never got the alone ending. Um, like I said, I got the confessed ending. Um, and then the one that I got that actually rolls credits is it's, I think it's called like the Ignorance is Bliss one, but essentially it's, um, did you ever interact with the book that your wife is reading at the very beginning? Yeah. So it's kind of similar if you, if you interact with the book, she tells you this quote from the book. And then later on, when you look at the watch and go back and are interacting with the father, there, that same book is in that room and you can click on it. You'll say a quote from it. The dialogue with the father will actually change and he'll offer to wipe your mind. And if you agree to that, he, he wipes all memory of that night, the credits roll, and then the whole game, all your progress starts from scratch from there. So that was the last one I got um, because, like I said earlier, I was just so confused on what to do. After confessing, after getting the alone ending, I was like, okay, I guess I'm just supposed to go back to the apartment and fi- I'm doing something wrong. And the character even comments on that. He's like, how is the loop not over? Like, I've done everything. I've d- I did everything right, I thought. Um And so at this point in the game, I feel like maybe this is what the developer wanted me to do. At this point, I just kind of gave up and I just started doing totally random stuff. It was it was almost like the movie Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. Like at one point, halfway through the movie, he just starts like killing himself. He's like, who cares? Like, I don't know what to do. So I was like, "Okay, I never called uh, the cop's daughter to tell him what was really going on. Maybe doing that will give me some option I never had before. So I did that, which forces the cop to never even enter the apartment. And then your wife just offers to go to bed. And I did that. And I was like, well, that didn't do anything. So I did that one too. But I think I did it slightly differently because you get an achievement called Groundhog Day. But it's, yeah. or the achievement is have a perfect day. That's the description. And so you can do all that. You call the daughter, tell her what's going on. Well, then the phone never enters. But then you have to go through the whole day as if it was a normal evening so you have dinner you're excited about the pregnancy you dance together and then you basically go snuggle in bed and then the loop resets and that's the groundhog day achievement and it's also to have a perfect day ending which i i kind of want to go back as a character and get that ending uh without learning about the sibling stuff and i just wonder if it's if it feels different yeah i guess you'd have to do that earlier on like the second you got the daughter's phone number you would pretty, you have to do like all the next loop before you find yeah. out about the sibling. And then that ending might be kind of cool, but the when, when we got it, it was like, ugh, this is gross. Yeah. Um, and I tried a bunch of other shit. Like at one point I was like, I'll just tell the cop that she did it. Like, I don't even know what to do anymore. And then he kills her. And I was like, obviously that Ooh, can't be right. that's the coward ending. Yeah. I was like, I'll just, I'll just try everything. Everything that I haven't done, I'll do. And maybe something crazy will happen. And of course, none of that worked. This is what I was talking about at the beginning. Then eventually I was like, okay, gosh, it's staying forever, way longer than it should. I'll go back to talk to the father again and pick some other option. And that's when I finally clicked on the book, got the new dialogue options, which opened up the opportunity to get the hypnosis endings, which I guess are the true endings based on the way the credits roll. So what we've just ran through, the, those six different endings are the only ones I knew about. But today I was actually looking through some stuff for this game to prepare for the episode and there is a seventh ending. It's just called the listen ending. Um, you can only do it on your very first loop. But essentially, all it is is you enter the apartment and you don't do anything. She comes out. She talks to you. Um, she says, you know, I've got a surprise. You sit on the couch. You chat about your day and that sort of stuff. And if you literally just go through everything, you don't select anything, don't do anything. You just sit there and listen. Eventually, it'll get to a point where she's like, I think I have something I need to tell you because we're about to have like a big change in our lives. And she'll actually go get the watch from the bathroom. She won't show you the watch, but she'll go get it and say, I, there's, some, there's something I did in my past I want to tell you about. 
but I don't want to tell you here. And then she'll get up and she'll say, like, follow me and then she'll go leave the apartment. And of course, if you leave the apartment, the loop resets. But that's the listen ending. That's cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess this is, the, this is a good spot to talk about it. We've talked about a bunch of the different endings, but I think one that we should definitely spend a little bit of time here at the end of the show is the main ending. The one that we talked about there with the hypnosis. Was that satisfying? What was kind of your read on it? Obviously, the way credits roll there is definitely a bit more grand. It feels more official, feels like the true ending, if you want to call it that. So the idea of you're receiving all of this information and then the idea is just get hypnotized to forget. And then at that point, I guess the idea is either the loop starts anew or maybe the character will just do ignorance is bliss, like you said, and go about their life. I don't know. What was your read on this whole situation at the end there? It almost felt too, like, supernatural for this story. Like, even though it is a time loop, it just got, really took me out of it. Um, it also opens up just so many random plot hole questions like, okay, if the dad is hypnotizing me, is the dad actually alive? Was he never killed? Why would I forget this? And how is it that the only person I met in New York is my half-sister? Like, it just opened up so many questions that never got explained. And so at the end of the day, I was just left with kind of more questions than answers when the credits actually rolled. Yeah, so the way I understand it, and I could be wrong, but I think the idea is that nothing that we saw happened. There are some things that did happen in reality, if you want to call it that, and it seems like these two half-siblings got married, they got pregnant, and then the father comes to the son and is like, this is a fucked up situation, here's what's going on, your siblings, it's like, oh my god, I can hypnotize you. And you can, like, we'll just move on. Adrian's is bliss, but forget about this. Or you can just leave her, do whatever you want. Um, And the loop, the whole thing of, like, the husband coming home from work, going through the motions with the wife, finding out this information, and then having this cop come in that looks exactly like the dad is supposed to be, like, the interference that you're having. So I think the idea is none of it is real, except for that last scene and that sunny room with you and the father where he's going to hypnotize you and then like the presentation of the actual game like going through the apartment and all these loops is just you trying to like cope cope with that yeah that's the idea i don't think it's satisfying either way though and like you said unfortunately it really sucks too because i think a game like this really does have to stick the landing with the ending because the presentation the mechanics the time loop figuring out the puzzles all of that is really satisfying, really fun, really engaging. You have a ton of agency in the actual decisions and choices in the game. But then that last like 30, 45 minutes of, of the various options you have at the end, we've already talked about it, you feel gross, but then you just feel like not very motivated to finish the game. And it, it does kind of leave you feeling a little hollow once the credits do roll. Yeah, yeah. And so it's just confusing because it's like, so if I'm getting hypnotized, there's no dialogue that clarifies what the game plan is after that. It's like, do I just then leave? Do I get the alone ending after that? Do I just go back to her and like the father never says anything? So even though there's so many options at the end, it doesn't feel 100% conclusive. So I don't know. A little bit strange. Overall, though, I know you and I both have issues with the ending, but as a full just kind of gaming experience... What are your general like closing thoughts on 12 minutes before we get out of here today? Yeah, ultimately, my recommendation is it's a game that'll probably take you a few hours. In Austin's case, he did it in one sitting. I did it in two. So it, it's a fun, quick, point-and-click experience. And for the most part, particularly the first half, 
really engaging story, really fun gameplay elements, which makes you kind of feel super creative in the way that you go about things. So major props to that. My only negative, and it is a big one, it's just how kind of the second half plays out. Once you get a lot more information and it feels almost like an M. Night Shyamalan twist just for the sake of having a huge, like, weird twist like that with the whole sibling thing. And then the way that ultimately culminates in the end with this weird hypnosis being the true ending thing. It didn't really feel like it went along with the first half of the experience. It felt like two separate things. So, you know, I think it is worth trying. Maybe it'll work for you. But either way, I think the whole loot-based gameplay and the mechanics in the first half is worth at least trying it out. I think I agree with everything you just said. The only thing I would add is, especially if you have Game Pass, it's free on Game Pass right now. It's a very unique game. I haven't played anything like it. So if you want a new gaming experience with a fairly interesting story, um, I would highly recommend checking this one out, especially if you have Game Pass. And I think on Steam, it's like $39.99, so you can play it there too. But uh, for just kind of a unique time loop creative experience, I I think it's still definitely a game worth checking out. For sure. Totally agree. Um, Okay, Matt, this game has a time loop. What are you thinking for other games that can utilize this time loop uh, mechanic? That's a good question. I'm not sure. It's a tough thing to do. I think there's a reason why we don't see a lot of these, because it can be very obviously repetitive. And how can you structure a game, structure a story, make the gameplay feel kind of consistently good when you're just doing loops like this? Uh, And it's pretty tough. And we saw in this one that sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. And what would be the perfect game with this formula? I don't know. But I am really excited for next month, (laughs) jumping into Deathloop from Bethesda and Arcane, which is an action game that kind of utilizes this similar formula, but in a very different way. So, yeah, so more games are trying it. So that's kind of exciting, I guess. Maybe eventually we'll get one that feels very consistently great throughout. Yeah, I was actually just thinking, like, we haven't really had a fun shooter that you that utilizes a time loop mechanic. But then you said it. We've got Deathloop next month. I'm excited to check that one out. I would also just really love to see if it's possible to do like an open world time loop game. I don't know how it would work at all, but I would be really curious to see those two genres kind of blend together. And then also just a a game based on the movie Edge of Tomorrow, I think would be really fun too. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I'd love something like that. I guess it is one thing when it's a movie, when it's like two hours and like they can kind of skip some of the loops and then in an actual game, which is however long, like how do you make it fun and interesting? So that's kind of the question that we'll always have, but for now, I think they're kind of making steps to doing stuff like this. And Deathloop, I've heard, is more of like a day-night cycle type thing. There's like four areas, and like you can do however much you want. Like there's no timer. You do however much you want in one area. Then when you're ready to move on to the next one, you move on, and it like moves a few hours. And the whole goal is just to kill eight assassins in one loop. So it seems like that one's a bit more gamified, if that makes sense. Like they're kind of tailoring the experience for a game so it doesn't get so repetitive and boring. It's not until you actually get killed that you start over at the beginning. There's checkpoints along the way. So that one might feel a bit more like a traditional game, which in the context that we're talking about might be for the better. Well, I'm glad you brought up Deathloop because that's a great way to close us out because next month on Co-op Couch, Matt and I will be getting together again to break down all things Deathloop. We've both been so excited for this game. It's been delayed. We can't wait to play it. And that's what we'll be discussing next month. Um, As for the rest of our podcast, this, of course, is just a sideshow of our regular um, Arnie's podcast show. Earlier this week, we put out an episode on the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Um, Last week, we put out an episode with just a random movie bracket. All the movies that we selected were random. All the matchups are random. We had a ton of fun putting that one together. Um, And if you're new, 
Uh, for the most part, we mainly do movies and TV reviews on our main feed. Then, of course, we do have this monthly gaming show that we call Co-op Couch. And with that, I think that's going to close us out today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, at The Arnie's is our social, and TheArnie's.media is the website. And we'll be back next month for Deathloop. Yeah, so shoot us over a DM at The Arnie's on Instagram. Let us know what games you've been playing that you've been really enjoying. Let us know your thoughts on Gamescom. And, of course, what were your thoughts on 12 Minutes? Did it work? better than it did for us did it feel like a cohesive experience throughout did you like the twists and turns let us know we'd love to hear from you all right everybody have a great week and we'll talk to you soon player two disconnected